When you're in the market for a new car, you want a vehicle that conquers your daily commute, easily handles the elements, and looks great too. You need the reliability of a Toyota and the confidence that your investment will last. Why? Because after all the carpools, shopping trips, and weekends out, you want a car that still has plenty of miles left in it and holds its value for a great trade-in deal. That's where Toyota leads the pack as the number one resale value brand for 2024, according to Kelly Blue Book's KBB.com. So check out the all-new, fully redesigned 2025 Camry or test drive a stylish and affordable Corolla sedan or hatchback. And remember, when you choose Toyota, you're not just buying a car for today, you're investing in trade-in value for tomorrow. Visit buyatoyota.com, the official website for deals, for more. Vehicles projected resale value is specific to the 2024 model year. For more information, visit kellybluebookskbb.com. Kelly Blue Book is a registered trademark of Kelly Blue Book Company, Incorporated. Toyota, let's go places. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now, and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast about how to be happier. This week we'll talk about why you should find something to admire and also how to survive the end of a romance. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft. And Elizabeth, there is so much to admire about you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> that is me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. Um, and Gretch, um, newsflash, I'm still suffering from my lingering cold. Ugh. So my voice, it's, I actually feel okay. It's just I can't sort of get rid of the cough and... Um, some of the congestion. So I apologize, listeners, um, you know, for this voice <laughs> of mine. Bear with me. And now is it time for listener question and reminder to everybody, if you have a, if you want to leave us a voicemail question, call 774-277-9336, which is also 77-HAPPY-336, or you can write us at podcast at com. This week's listener question comes from Andrea Salenzi. But I know her. I know Andrea. Yes, I know her too. I've met her um, at the podcast. Oh, that's right. Movement. Yeah, we saw her at the conference. That's right. Andrea has a great podcast called YOY. In each episode, Andrea speaks with friends, experts, and guys in bars about <laughs> where love and sex meets technology. The show tells the stories about relationships by blurring the lines between memoir, documentary, and fiction. 
And she left us this voicemail. Dear Happier, after almost three years together, my boyfriend and I decided to break up. I think I want to have a kid someday, and that's not in his plan. It was a very adult way to break up. No big fights or reasons to hate each other. I've never met anyone I like as much as him, and that isn't going away. Another twist right now is that I currently host a dating podcast. It's called Why a Why. So the usual dating advice that I always hear is to distract yourself, but that just doesn't seem like an option for me. It's hard to talk about dating all day without simultaneously worrying that I'm going to be alone forever, or this is what I think is actually even worse than that. I'm going to meet someone new, but just not like him as much as my ex. My friends have told me to binge watch a TV show, but that doesn't seem like the right advice. Instead, I want to throw myself into these feelings. Can you guys write me a recipe for a breakup cure? People always say, let time pass, but I want something that feels productive that I can actually check off. Is it write a list of his worst qualities or plan a girl's night out? Should I put everything that reminds me of him in a bag and then just throw it away? How do you burn sage on a relationship to help you move on into a new life? Thank you, guys. I love you. Ah, I said I love you. That's like so soon. Um, edit that, Kristen, please. Thank you. <laughs> Um, now, one thing about this question of how to deal with a breakup, um, to me, it goes back to something that I have mentioned on this podcast several times, um, and it keeps coming up again, uh, which is something my friend Corrine said, which is that being an adult is learning to live with regret. Oh. And I go back to that time and time again. And in this case, I think it really applies. It's like, Andrea may always regret the loss of this guy in mm, her life. Mm. You know, it may, she may never feel better about it, but mm -hmm. that's just part of being an adult is just learning to live with that regret. Well, it's interesting because that doesn't sound like a happiness booster. Happy adult is <laughs> learning to live with regret. But I think the way, but the way you're conceiving of it is like that sometimes you can't have two options. Like sometimes you have to choose and you, you, you hope that you choose wisely but that doesn't mean you you regret the path not taken. You know, it's just you can't have both. But you don't have to demonize it. You don't have to say it was a waste. It was terrible. Um, like she's really holding on to her good feelings for this guy, um, even though she's decided it's not the right way for her to move forward. Yeah. And what what else? Could, so that's my sort of, you know, existential thought on the matter. Yeah. Um, also, I would say, um, having been through this, that if, you know, if, if what she wants to do is have a baby, I think she should move forward on that idea. Now, ultimately, will Andrea wait and just, you know, to meet someone and have a baby? Maybe, but just in case she ends up not meeting that person, I would suggest looking into doing, um, whatever it takes to have a baby on her own, like checking her fertility levels, see, you know, if she is able to maybe freezing her eggs, which is something that I desperately wish had been available to me when I was in my 30s. I would say, you know, investigate that, see what the steps would be so that if she wants to take that step, she's ready. Now, Elizabeth, you, like your eyes, I think your ideas are great because they're like big picture and high level and, and sort of like, how do you think about it going forward in a, a big way? Um, and of course, I always am like, let's think of like the really small concrete things you could do tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> um, 
So here are some things like Andrea could do like right away if she wanted to. Now, one is now this would depend on her on her work situation if she could take a vacation. But one thing is that change speeds time. And as she mentioned uh, in her comment, like time passing tends to like help heal emotional wounds. And so I would say if she could, she should take a trip Mm. and not just and not even like, oh, I'm going to take a trip to Boston and see like my old friend, but like do a challenging trip, something that demands a lot, like to a country where you've never been before or where they don't speak the language or or go camping or do something where you really you're going to be distracted and you're going to be thinking a lot and you're going to be managing a lot of new ideas and new inputs like go to Kyoto or something, Mm. you know, where it's going to be really different because when you come back, it will feel like time will have been very rich and full, and it will feel like more time has passed. And I mean, it is true. It's 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 a cliche, but it's true. But um, the passage of time does help. And this will be it's it's in a short time, it will feel like much more time has passed. So that's one thing she could do. Yeah, I mean, even a short trip can feel like a lifetime. Yeah, absolutely. And here's another thing. I happen to know that Andrea um, and her sweetheart live together. So I think one of the things to do is to really think about clearing out his stuff. And and that's like his possessions that he's taking away. But that's also like his books on the bookshelf, you know, the sweatshirt that she always borrowed that maybe stayed behind even when he took his clothes, mm. his favorite tea, his favorite cereal, all the stuff that's just in the cabinets that's associated with him. And not getting rid of it in a way like in a vengeful, like I'm right, where you're burning it in the driveway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, you know, cutting him out of the photographs or something like not <laughs> like that, but just like. You know, I'm moving on. I need to make space in my life. Maybe I'm making space for a new sweetheart. Maybe I'm making space for a baby one day, but I just like I want more space. And so I need that room. And so his stuff is going to go. And also, you know, even seeing somebody's like favorite brand, you know, coffee or whatever, it's just that slight memory, which for her, it's tinged with these sad feelings. And so it could be kicking off these little pings of sadness that she's not even consciously aware of. So get rid of that. Mm. And then also just change. Change feels refreshing. Um, It feels energizing. So rearranging the furniture or maybe painting a room a different color. So it feels like, okay, this is a new beginning. I'm starting fresh because there's something energizing and optimistic and like exciting about a fresh start because it's the end of something and that's sad. And I think you're right. Acknowledge that it's sad and don't try to pretend that it's not, but also like it's exciting and new too. And so I have more room and everything feels like clean and roomy. And um, there's possibilities now that I don't even know what those possibilities are, but that is, that's exciting and refreshing. What I really like about that, Gretch, is it goes to exactly what Andrea said she wanted to do, which is lean into the feelings as opposed to just distract herself from the feelings. This is really throwing herself into her new life as opposed to just you know, watching chick flicks and trying (laughs) to forget he exists. It's like embracing what's happened and moving forward. So I think that's great advice for her. Well, and it's funny that she mentions that her like making a list of his worst qualities. I don't think you have to pretend like the person's a bad person or, you know, focus on the negative. That doesn't feel good if you're trying to have an amicable breakup. So you're right, like find ways to do something where it's more like, what am I doing moving forward rather than I'm managing like what's what's gone yeah you know i had a friend um whose mom was very much into sort of serial uh monogamy where she just felt like she would have one person in her life for a period of time and that person was great and then she would have another person in her life so Mm -hmm. um 
It's not that someone has to be this awful person who you never should have dated. They can be a wonderful person who came into your life for a period of time, and now that period is over. Right. Um, and, you know, one thing is Andrea said that she was worried she'll never find anyone as good as this guy. Yeah. What I would say to that is the fact that he doesn't want kids and you do means, you know, he's you will meet someone who you think is better than he is <laughs> because they meet a need that's like the biggest thing in life if that's what you want. And you won't be looking back saying, oh, gosh. This guy, you know, had so much, so much better commentary on movies, you know, you're going to be ensconced in your baby and your new life. Yeah. And, you know, it's again, it's like cliche. There's a lot of fish in the sea. There's a lot of people and everyone is special and unique. And this was special and unique. But if you have a heart full of love, I I am not worried for Andrea. I think that she will find someone that she likes just as much and more moving forward. I agree. Yes. Well, so good luck, Andrea. Excellent question. Quick update, not unrelated. In a previous episode, I was talking about how hard it was for me to talk calmly to my daughter, Eliza, uh, about her recent breakup because it made me almost angry that she was so upset, which was clearly not rational and not helpful. And I also mentioned how a friend who was dealing with cancer had told me how she couldn't talk to her mother because her mother was so upset about her daughter's uh, situation that my friend just ended up feeling like, well, I have to spend all my time comforting my mother and I just don't have the emotional wherewithal to manage my emotions and her emotions, so I just can't even talk to her. And we got a really interesting uh, response from from uh, a listener. Yes, Emma wrote, your discussion of Eliza's breakup and your friend whose mother can't support her reminded me of something incredibly useful a friend told me several years ago. She said that when a bad thing happens, you can imagine it at the center of a circle and all the people directly affected by it are in the circle with it. Eliza with her breakup, your friend with her cancer. Around that is a bigger circle containing the people who are affected by that person being effective. So in your friend's case, her mother, maybe her partner and children, her immediate family and closest friends. Outside of that, a circle of the people who are affected by those people being effective. So their partners and friends and so on. You get the idea. The golden rule is comfort inward, complain outwards. So your friend's mother can complain to or cry on or look for support from anyone who's further from the center of the circle than she is. Any of her friends or anyone within the family who's less close to her daughter than she is. But from her to her daughter, there should only be support and love because her daughter is closer in than her. I find this such a useful idea and hope it can help someone else too. And Gretch, this is, I can't believe we've never heard this idea. I think it's brilliant. No, because it just sort of helps you visualize sort of your place in a chain of a of a bad situation. And I think it really makes it clear, like, how can you play your role the best? And then if, if you're aiming in to give that comfort and support, and then if you're and then and then when you need comfort and support, you need to turn outwards because you're closer in than somebody somebody who's on the outer ring from you. So it's, it's one of these things where I feel like a visualization of it somehow brings immense clarity yes. to a situation that can feel very confusing. Yes. So thank you, Emma, for that great way um, of thinking about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, Elizabeth, this week, our Try This at Home is to find something to admire. Mm, Yes, Scratch. Speaking of Eliza Mm. and her breakup with her boyfriend, 
We actually got this idea from Eliza, your daughter, my niece, uh, on her podcast, Eliza, starting at 16. She's been detailing the ups and downs of her breakup with her boyfriend. Um, and it's an ongoing saga that stretches over many episodes. Yes. Spoiler alert. She's feeling better. Yeah. Uh, but it's very interesting um, to listen to. So I suggest that. Yeah. Uh, now, so one of the things that's interesting to me as a mother is I listen to her podcast and I don't get to hear it before anybody else does. So I'm always a little bit have some trepidation, I have to confess. But I thought she had something really constructive. I was so happy to hear that she had such a great idea about how to manage feeling down. In episode 34 of uh, of her podcast, Eliza Starting at 16, she was talking about what she did when she was feeling especially down or overwhelmed. And here's what she says in her podcast about finding something to admire. When I'm feeling the way I feel right now, I like going to museums, particularly the Met. I live really close to the Met, so it's super easy for me to pop in, which is like the greatest joy and such a privilege. And I just love how everything feels like timeless and old. And it's like nothing matters. Lies like this is just art that people with worries from thousands and hundreds of years ago made and it'll all be fine and like if people who are dying of the black plague or whatever could handle it then you can definitely handle it i just like it i like walking around listening to music or listening to a podcast but that's like by no means restricted to the met it works if there's a park it works if there's a library it works if there's a bookstore honestly anything with like works by people who aren't you, that you can admire. Sometimes I think when I'm feeling down, something to admire really just helps. I don't know how else to explain it, but it just does. Just knowing that there's somebody who's done something awesome that you can look at. Uh, I love that, Gretch, from Eliza. Um, And also, you know, I was thinking that this is a good thing. You know, it's been such a turbulent election cycle. And we're hearing from a lot of our listeners that they're having sort of trouble dealing with the aftermath and all of the emotions going on. Um, And I think Eliza's tip for find something to admire could help people out. Yeah, I mean, it's a rough time. And then I think even sometimes too, just in ordinary life, when you're getting bogged bogged down in the just the everyday details or the minor annoyances, you just you get dragged down by it. And so you never lift your eyes or think about something more transcendent, something that is going to lift you up. And But we're happier when we take that more transcendent view. And I think, you know, tapping into this idea of admiration, of finding something to admire, it's very elevating. And that really does boost happiness. Yeah. And it can be just a relief, a little mental refuge to think about something admirable. Like you can just sort of rest in that atmosphere yeah. and be away from your normal life for a little bit. Yeah, no, like I thought it was interesting. Eliza tied it to this idea of timelessness, that there are these things that yes. are sort of outside time. They put things into perspective because you realize like I'm feeling all this anxiety or all this uneasiness right now. But then I can think about something that, to admire that feels more uh, more timeless. And uh, it reminds me of one of my very favorite quotations because I got a million quotations. And this is Boethius who said, contemplate the extent and stability of the heavens And then at last, cease to admire worthless things. And it's just like this, you know, you think about something like astronomy, and it's just so huge and so beautiful, it can lift you out outside yourself. Yeah, I mean, you collect quote scratch um, almost obsessively. I guess that that sort of constantly is lifting you, you know, giving you something you admire. No, absolutely. And in fact, I use it that way. Like if I'm feeling very distressed about something or I I kind of don't know what to do with myself because I'm having such a negative emotional sort of reaction to something, 
I have uh, notes pre-2006, and then I have notes 2006-plus, um, mm. and I'll go in and just just randomly go through and read quotations, and it just makes me feel so happy. Because uh, it does. It's like it's something to admire. It's these passages that I just I admire so much, the writing and the thoughts, that it, 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 um, it calms me and it lifts me up. And Alyssa, you go hiking regularly. Do you feel like, are you thinking about nature? Is this something where you're finding something to admire? You're in beautiful Southern California. Um, I mean, in a way, yes. But I think um, I'm, I'm usually just like listening to podcasts when I hike. <laughs> I must say, not thinking about nature. I like <laughs> advice we've gotten from guests. Um, yeah. But, you know, as you've told me, Gretchen, like be something to admire doesn't have to be, you know, the Mona Lisa. It can be <laughs> something much yeah. more, uh, you know, down to earth. Yeah. For instance, like I really admire the hosts of Bitch Sesh, my, you know, one of my favorite podcasts, <laughs> Casey Wilson and Daniel yeah. Snyder. Oh, awesome. So yes. it's like for me, if I just lis- listen to Bitch Sesh, that is transcendent for me. Others might not find it so, but for me, it lifts me out of my everyday and does give me a respite from whatever's bothering me. Well, because the thing is, they are, they're masterful. They, you do admire them because they're such great performers and they're so funny and so inventive. And they're like, and it is, I mean, I don't even watch Real Housewives and I enjoy, I enjoy their podcast (laughs) because they're just so funny and winning. And, uh, and you can just admire that. Yeah, I think absolutely. It doesn't have to be a high-minded thing. You don't have to be contemplating nature or the heavens. Right. You know, you could contemplate, you know, Gary Larson's Farsight cartoons. It's just something to admire. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. So let us know if you try that at home. Um, what did you find to admire? Was it something like the Mona Lisa or was it something like Bitch Sesh? Let us know on Twitter, Facebook, drop us an email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com, or as always, go to the show notes. And this episode is happiercast.com slash 93. There are some stories about our father's life that I truly never get tired of hearing, from hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting. His retelling of the events always brings me joy. Just in time for Father's Day, I found the perfect gift that captures all his stories for our family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your father or father figure's life for years to come. And, Gretch, you get a book of all these stories. And I love just keeping a book on the coffee table and anyone from any generation can see a story from dad, like what was his favorite toy or what was his first job. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. Give all the fathers in your life a unique, heartfelt gift you'll all cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash happier. That's storyworth.com slash happier to save $10 on your first purchase. So listen, we got a great happiness hack this week from a listener. Yes, Michelle. She says... My happiness hack is to wash my face immediately after I tuck my kids in bed. I often found myself falling into a routine where I'd put this off. And then when I finally climbed upstairs to retire for bed, washing my face and removing my makeup seemed like the most exhausting task. Now I try to do this immediately after tucking my kids in. This way, when I'm ready to go to bed, I can go right to bed. A small shift, which somehow feels luxurious. Now, I 100% agree with this hack. Um, I have tried this myself because I have noticed that what happens to me is I get so tired that I put off going to bed because I can't handle taking out my contacts or changing my clothes. 
And uh, it's so true. If you get ready for bed earlier, you're more likely to do it and like really get your makeup off and all that. And then you go to bed earlier because it's easier to go to bed. And you're less likely to do night snacking because you've brushed your teeth. I think this is like the greatest hack of all time. Yes. I mean, I so fall victim to this. Like I, <laughs> uh, I, I actually ended up getting like those face cloths that you just, you know, go over yeah. your face, which aren't, you know, as good as washing your face. But because I so often didn't wash my face, I said, yeah. let me at least do something. Um, so I'm going to try this because I feel like I mean, uh, this is perfect for me because I, you know, put Jack to bed and then I could do this and then, you know, go about my evening and be ready for bed. So I'm excited about this. Yeah. For the Essential 7, wasn't one of the, your aims to go to bed earlier? Yeah. So that it would, it would avoid late night snacking. So yeah, <laughs> this falls right into that. Yeah. So thanks, Michelle. Yeah. Excellent, excellent hack. Okay, Alyssa, so it's time for a know yourself better question. Yes. Our question this week is, what's your activity level? Some people like higher activity levels. Some people like lower activity levels. Let's discuss. <laughs> I became aware of this because I have this friend, Bob, and he was saying to me, he's like, well, the thing, and he said this, like, he, wasn't, he wasn't criticizing himself. He said this is just very matter-of-factly. He said, well, the thing about me is I just run slow. Like, I just have a, I, I walk slowly down the street. I value rest a lot. I speak slowly. I just want life to go at a slower pace. And I realized that that's a really good thing to know about yourself. It's just like, what's your activity level? Like, are you a high activity level person or are you more like Bob, a lower activity person? I think it's a really useful thing to think about. Well, yeah, because, you know, it's like, are you the person who wants to have your kid to have an activity every single day after school? Or do you like to come home and yeah. have downtime? I mean, one thing is that in my family, uh, my little Adam, Jack and me, I think we have different activity levels. Mm. You know, I think I like to do more things than Adam likes to do. Mm -hmm. And it took me a long time to realize that. So there was always this sort of expectation from me that we would do more and an expectation from him that we would do less. Mm -hmm. um, and once I sort of realized, oh, okay, we don't have to do something morning and afternoon on vacation. Mm -hmm. You know, we can just do one thing. It made our vacations a lot nicer because I wasn't sort of being this pushy nag. Because you just had a different expectation, like it sort of, a, sort of, an, uh, without even consciously articulating it to yourself, you just sort of had an expectation of like, this is what a person would do. Like, we're going to get up at this time and we're going to do this and we're going to do that type of thing. And yeah. you just had a different, different idea of what that would mean. Yeah. And I have to say, it's not that I like to do so much, by the way. I mean, I, I'm, no one's going to accuse me of like doing a million things. But I think part of it also is, you know, mom and dad are high activity level. Yes. Like they really high. are go, go, go. And yes. so I think just watching them, I always thought, oh, well, I have to do go, go, go. And it didn't even yes. occur to me that I there would be another way. Yeah. Well, no, and this came up with us because um, for several years in a row, Jamie, Eliza, and Eleanor and I went away on vacation, like a, like, you know, like a traveling vacation with this other family. And they have a really high activity level. They're more like mom and dad. But Jamie is more like Adam. He wants to do a certain thing, and then he, and then he feels no guilt or no uh, FOMO mm -hmm. about saying, okay, now we're out. And it was a real relief to me to realize you don't have to do everything. You don't have to maximize every moment, that there's value to just sort of like 
having some some downtime and everybody in, in our family really needs downtime. And it's funny because that so that family, it's like, well, the Rubens are out. You know, it's three o'clock and now the Rubens have had their fun for the day. And so we will see you guys at dinner. And then their family just keeps charging forward. And they kind of feel sorry for us, but then we kind of feel sorry for them because right. we're like, you know, because and it's not that one is right and one is wrong. It's just like I think when you really say to yourself, well, what's right for me? What's right for these other people? How do we all get to a place where we're all having a good time, which might mean a compromise or it might mean doing different things or whatever. But it's just to recognize that people just have different they sort of have different temperatures when it comes to activity level. Yeah. I think part of it is the idea, like you just mentioned, that everyone has to do everything together. Yeah. It's like you don't have to. If somebody right. wants to go to an extra museum, they can go and the other people can go back to the hotel or go back home, you know, wherever, you know, whatever it may be. Yeah. So I think the, the, the value of this question to know yourself better is, you know, what's your activity level is I think it, it lets you sort of dispassionately think about, well, what kind of person are you? And then you can think about, well, maybe other people are different from me. And given that, like, should we articulate our expectations so we all agree? Should we say that we're going to split up at a certain time of day? It's not that one person's right and one person's wrong. It's just how do we create a situation where we can respect everybody's way of going about it? Because it's just activity level. It's sort of, uh, it's really a basic thing. So it's helpful to just think about it. Um, and how you might be different from the people around you. Yes, for sure. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. I now work with a team, and I am here to say that finding the right candidate and hiring the right candidate is one of the very biggest and most important challenges to anyone who has a small business. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, time for demerits and gold stars. And Elizabeth, you are up with the demerit. Gretch, um, my demerit this week is related to this cold that is just, you know, <laughs> going and going and going. I hadn't been sick for so long before I got this cold and now it just won't end. And my demerit is I just have not been taking the time to take care of myself to get rid of this cold once and for all. I've just sort of been ignoring it and staying up late and doing what I normally do. And really, I should be saying, okay, what do I need to do to just stop and rest and get rid of this thing? Yeah, because, yeah, you've got so much going on right now. I'm sure you feel like I'll just power through it. But in fact, it's kind of you're sort of at the end of you're, you're at the you're burning the candle at both ends and you have been for a while. Yeah, now it's showing. So I think it, I need to um, probably just go to bed early three nights in a row and this thing would be gone. Right. <laughs> One week last month, I went to bed at nine o'clock every night and wow. it was like the most amazing thing. 
Wow. I, I know that's easier for me than it is for you because I naturally like to go to bed earlier than you, but it, it is transformative. Okay, I'm going to try that. Not nine, but maybe 11. Yeah, not nine. Uh, but okay, Gretch, what's your gold star? So I want to give a gold star to an amazing organization here in New York City. Um, and I think now there might be in other cities, and it's called Project Cicero. And so um, it's an annual book drive. And what they do is they collect uh, children's books, whether new or gently used children's books. Um, and then they they distribute them to under-resourced New York City public schools. And they've do, been doing this since 2001. And I know about it because both my children's school um, participates and the uh, New York Society Library, which is the library that I go to all the time that's a block from my house, also participates. And, and um, which means that they put up, they, they tell you like, oh, we're doing the drive. And they put out boxes so you can drop off your books there. And I love it because it's like everything that I love. It's clutter clearing because it's like we have three mm. copies of Charlotte's Web. I mean, yes, you have to have one. Mm-hmm. And maybe you need two, but you don't need three copies of Charlotte's Web. <laughs> it's libraries, getting books to libraries, which, of course, I love, love libraries. I love schools. And so I just so every every um, every time that I get the notice that they're doing the book drive, I'm just so happy because it makes it's just so thrilling to be able to take these books that I or like, you know, a friend of mine gave me this beautiful copy of The Secret Garden. But the fact is, like, I want my copy of The Secret Garden that I've had since I was nine years old. Mm. So so let me put this secret garden in the hands of, you know, a sixth grade class where many, many children can read it. Um, so anyway, Gold Star to Project Cicero because they're doing such good work and it makes me so happy every time um, I, I drop off a load of books in the boxes and think about helping people find their way to wonderful books because nothing makes me happier than reading. And so I, I'm a book pusher. <laughs> so I love that. So Gold Star to Project Cicero. Gold Star. Now, Gretch, before we end the show, um, you have some exciting news that we want to discuss because your app has launched. Yes, I feel so fabulous. I have an app. So I'm like, so I'm so millennial. Um, (laughs) Everyone needs one. Everyone needs an app. So my app is called Better. um, And you can find it if you go to, uh, you can search online for betterapp.us. Or if you're in uh, the App Store, you can search for better Gretchen Rubin, because better is such a common word. You, you, it's not enough for a search function. And the thing about the app is, so I'm obsessed, Elizabeth, as you know, um, as, my, mm-hmm. as my guinea pig and victim, I'm obsessed with the four tendencies, which is, um, yes. I've got this book coming out about the four tendencies in the fall, and, I, and I'm obsessed with trying to understand the four tendencies. And one of the things that's happened is ever since I've started talking about it, I get so many questions from people or, or like their own observations and anecdotes about using it. And it's everything from like... I'm a trainer who's trying to help people stick to their their exercise regimens to like I'm a doctor. I'm a ta- I'm a doctor who's treating type 2 diabetics and trying to help them manage their blood sugar or I'm a teacher trying to figure out how to reach these kids who I'm having trouble communicating with. And um and it was like all this stuff was coming into me and I was putting it in the book but then I was like I wish all these people could talk to each other because like these teachers mm. should be talking to other teachers and these doctors should be talking to other healthcare professionals and so the app is a place to do that. You, when you go in, you, you sign up as your tendency. And if you don't know your tendency, it's, you can take the quiz at um, happiercast.com slash quiz. And then you can, you can enter a conversation. You, know, you can follow certain topics. And can't you also like, have an accountability group on the app? Yes. No, that's, and that is really, really key. I think for many people, maybe even most people, that's going to be the most important thing. 
So for many people, accountability is crucial. And I argue that for obligers, like Elizabeth, you're an obliger, Mm -hmm. um, accountability is is key. It's not even just helpful. It's actually key. There needs to be external accountability for inner uh, expectations to be met. And so it's and what I kept getting from people was they would say things like, well, I want I want to form an accountability group. Can you help me? And I'd be like, well, I don't know how to like that's tricky. How am I going to help you form a group? Or I would get also things from from obligers saying, I know I need accountability, but like I'm an introvert and I don't want to take a class Mm. or join a group because I don't like the idea of like having to engage with a lot of people or something like uh, I don't have the money to pay a trainer to work out twice a week. Uh, That's too expensive. How else can I get accountability? And so the great thing about the app, it's a paid app, but, you know, it allows you to set up an accountability group for anything. Um, and so you can work, you can be with your group and hold each other accountable through the app. And so it's really easy. It's really convenient. And for people who need accountability, then, of course, it's like the crucial missing step. So, Gretch, people can either find a group on the app or they can bring in their own group to the app and, and interact there. So it's really great. Yeah, no, it's absolutely. So you could go on the app and, and sort of say like, oh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm trying to write my PhD thesis. Is there anybody else trying to do that? Or I'm trying to have more financial accountability. Is there anybody, you know, you could do it around an aim like that if you wanted, or you could just be a bunch of people who wanted just to hold each other accountable. You don't really necessarily have to be working on the same things, or you could come in as a group. So you could be like a doctor like if your doctor want, said to his pay, pay, to you, oh, I'm starting this group with all my patients with type 1 diabetes, if you'd like to join it, and then you can all hold each other accountable and you all sort of have something in common and that you all have the same doctor. Or like Inform Fitness, our high-intensity strength training, somebody could say like, oh, you know, you could all join together um, or and I'll lead you or I'll help hold you accountable. And, you know, you could take pictures of, you know, your monitor, you could, you know, there's all different ways of, of, of forming accountability. You can you can check in in all different ways. But the idea is like there's one central way where you can manage it um, in the context of the four tendencies, which, of course, I think is like so super important if you're trying to manage yourself or manage other people. So I'm really, really excited about it. Yeah, it's fantastic. And once again, just to remind everybody, this is the Better app and you can search Better Gretchen Rubin in the App Store to find it. Yeah, and if you want to read more about it, um, if you go to happiercast.com slash app, it'll take you to a blog post that has like a lot of a lo- all the information about it. So I'm really excited. Let me know um, if you tried it because I've been working really hard on it. I'm, I'm really pleased with it. And that's it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Find something to admire. Let us know if you tried it and if it worked for you. Thanks to our friend Andrea Salenzi for her great question. And remember, if you want to listen to Andrea's podcast, it's called Y-O-Y. Thanks to our producer, Kristen Meinzer. Also thanks to Andy Bowers and Laura Mayer of Panoply. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. And also, just to remind you to check out the Spotify list of everyone's Happiness 911 songs. We've got more, well more than 400 songs there now, so that'll keep you going for a while. Uh, you can find it by searching in Spotify under Happier 911. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and upward. Is that you blowing your nose?